on this episode upsets and goals galore as football finally kicks off the protests make their mark felt as fifa feels the heat some stuff from outside the world cup as well blazes out this is the tokitaka podcast Welcome to the first episode of the World Cup Toki Taka podcast. On this episode we have a few upsets to discuss and some big wins as well. Some protests in place and also some news from outside the World Cup. And on this panel today we have Radha ji, we have Ab and we have Ashwin. So Let's come back to our age-old tradition of the talkie point and the talkie moments. So, Radha ji, what's your talkie point of the episode? There were quite a few to choose from, uh, especially uh, football-wise on the pitch. There were a few to choose from, but the one that I'll go with is um, Iran. I think uh, I was uh, one of the guys on the podcast in the last few episodes. calling out um, that iran was not uh, a team that i was hoping would do well i think ashwin mentioned that as well considering the political landscape it's not a team that we wanted to see do well but i have to say that the iranian players uh, kind of won me over um, they protested their what's happening in their countries by not singing the national anthem the the fans were jeering and booing during the national anthem Uh, there were sign- there were scenes in the crowd of of women in tears um, and holding up some uh, holding up some signboards. Uh, at least somebody uh, took a took a stand in this World Cup, which is more than we can say for a lot of the teams representing the Western civilization. So I'm I'm happy. I was really happy to see that from Iran. Yeah, indeed, a powerful statement by the team, and just wish them well going forward in the tournament as well. Ab, what's your talkie point? Yeah, you know, the World Cup began three days ago, and it feels like there's already hundred things to talk about. But um, I'll pick Saudi Arabia beating Argentina. More to come on that, but uh, there's a great spirit in that uh, Saudi uh, dressing room. Uh, we saw, saw the coach. Uh, we saw the video where the coach is extremely animated and talking his players through the tactics. So I think uh, Saudi Arabia beating Argentina and all of the things that happened associated with that is my talkie moment. Yeah, another of those teams that Radhaji didn't want to do well, but well, they already have. And finally, Ashwin, what's your talkie point of the episode? Yeah, I agree with Ab. There's so many things to choose from. I think this World Cup has uh, already provided us moments to talk about. uh let alone uh, the uh, saudi arabia argentina game germany japan today as well but i'm going to uh, i'm going to go with um, saka's redemption is what i would call it uh, bukayo saka scoring two goals and helping england beat 6-2 especially after the abuse that the boy faced after the euros i think it was uh, it was great to see him uh, excel uh, at this stage yeah one uh, kick at the final of the euros and now that redemption story that's what football's about right all these stories these redemption arcs what's happening geopolitically stuff like that wonderful to see yeah and for me uh, i think uh, radha touched upon this that uh, there's a lot going 
on off the pitch as well and for me i think today what i saw from the german team where they cupped their mouths in uh, protest about the one love armbands and basically fifa telling them that you can't wear these armbands or you get a yellow card automatically so them doing that in protest of that was really good to see but to start off with i think um, the biggest upset was definitely saudi arabia beating argentina i mean when the match started and we were talking about uh, a high line being used by the saudi arabians and thinking ha of course lautaro and messi are going to get five goals each they'll just beat this high line and it'll all be fine but it wasn't to be i mean very surprisingly it just came out of the blue uh no one gave them any chance in fact in my office we have a predictions league going and we talked about this yesterday where we said no one's getting any points for that no one expected anything from the saudis and they've just gone and done it in the pre match show with uh, i think there was like uh, figo and uh, sol campbell in the show i think figo said 3 nil to argentina sol campbell said 4 nil to argentina and it ended up completely different just a quick point on the offsides um, you know there were so many offsides in the first half of the game like you said they were playing such a high line saudi arabia and you know on another day it could have been 3 or 4 nil to argentina if those you know one or two of those offsides were like literally a shoulder or an armpit offside right so that that's but that said uh, saudi were very disciplined uh, we'll talk about them a little more but uh, you know i think uh, they fully deserve the three points yeah i think if you if you look at the xg stats as well it's, it shows it shows argentina winning quite comfortably and especially uh, with how you know messi uh, started and like argentina started and messi got the goal we it was it was looking like uh, it was looking like one way traffic but i think uh, if anything that won the game for saudi arabia it was it was their heart and the grit and the determination like you could you could see even towards the very end they were holding on uh, for dear life um, the keeper i'm forgetting his name now but like you could see see the passion oozing out of his face like i think that is what got them through in the end yeah definitely one of the bigger uh, upsets uh, and hard for argentina to take but i like i think they had themselves to blame they had loads of chances and uh, they they should have they should have um you know take an advantage of some of the plays that they were making uh, sadly for them it did not happen yeah i think uh, um i'm tempted when these upsets happen to point the finger at the big team and say oh they didn't come prepared or they underestimated their opposition and what not that's actually not the truth here i think argentina actually were really good to watch i was so impressed with uh, messi and lautaro's interplay through the game they were really uh, dangerous and i think that uh, uh, considering the other results that happened in the group i think argentina are going to be just fine um, that don't change the fact that this is probably one of the greatest results that we'll ever see in our lifetime um, we've seen i think some of you called out your best moments or talky moments of past world cups where you talked about the senegal uh, france one but i think this uh, this i think uh, caps that in in my opinion uh considering the nature of the two teams and argentina being favorites for the cup and saudi arabia not even being in a 
any form of discussion i think it was great some great goalkeeping grit and determination lot of blocking and tackling that was happening some physical play as well uh, you ne- you didn't see the kind of respect that you ex- expected um uh, somebody to give a team like argentina like you said with the high line i'm happy to see some uh, brave coaches taking on some of these giants uh, um, i i take a lot of the things that i said back some of these teams that i thought would be very negative and boring they're actually stepping up and giving us good football matches that said there were two outlier goals there was no chances created so i'm not going to put too much behind saudi arabia for the tournament but at least it was a great game and good performance um, for them yeah it was not too long ago and it still sort of fresh in my memory where um, i think it was germany saudi arabia in the 2006 world cup and uh, i think germany won 8-0 i think if my memory serves and uh, Klosa scored a hat-trick. I think there was four goals in each half or something like that. It was utter domination. And I remember thinking that Saudi Arabia has such poor quality and I was like, how did they even qualify was my thought at that time. Uh, there were no doubts at all as to their quality, I think. Uh, uh, they were good. Obviously, they were never going to match Argentina in terms of you know possession or creating the number of chances. That was never going to happen. But I think they were clinical, uh, they ran their butts off uh, and I think they completely deserved the victory. It was good to see. Yeah, and uh, you never know, this might just be a ploy by Argentina, having heard our uh, preview podcast where we said that Brazil versus Argentina is going to be a semi-final potentially, to just try and avoid them in the draw and keep them off till the final and hopefully take the chances there. But yeah, uh, they've they've run out of runway now and they need to get some results against Mexico and Poland in order to qualify and keep the messy story going. Uh, another upset that happened was just today, a few hours ago, Germany taking the lead. I mean, just like Argentina, Germany took the lead as well and then fell back to two quick goals by uh, Japan. And... I think profligacy from the Germany forwards was again in question. They had many chances, but they didn't take them. And that's cost them. Uh, And considering that they are yet to play Spain, who've just beaten Costa Rica 7-0, it's not going to be easy for them. Yeah, I think we spoke about this last week as well, right? Uh, uh, This is not the German team of before. This is not the... Uh, efficiently well-drilled machine that we know um, Germany for. Uh, they had a really good first half and we were discussing in the group, I remember when we, we were doing the, uh, when we were watching the match that Germany had loads of chances, they were just not, just not finishing them, right? Uh, um, I, was look, I was just looking at the <clears throat> stats from the game and they had 26 shots, nine of them were on target versus 12 shots for Japan, four uh, of which four were on target, right? So they, they should have they should have buried the game when they had the chance. And in the absence of a recognized striker, um, they obviously started with Kai Havertz and who hasn't had the best of <clears throat> best of time even with his club. So that was something that would that would have uh, that would have definitely that, that definitely showed up in the game as well. Um, I think I think. Uh, uh, they, uh, they should have brought in Makuko before they they left him on too late, and maybe he could have been the one who could have finished the chances because he has been having a really good season for Dortmund as well. Um, so I think J- 
Germany like Argentina have themselves to blame. It was one of the easier games to start with and they did not capitalize on that. Yeah, uh, you know, on our group, DSK had said that this Germany is like Spain of 2010 and I agreed with him. Um, you know, they pass around uh, the edge of the box quite a lot. Uh, they, uh, you know, they do these runs almost kind of city-like in a way where they find those little pockets and then somebody runs out wide and cuts it back for somebody to tap in. Um, I wanted to, you know, pose a question to you guys. You know, Spain of 2012, I know they uh, they won the World Cup, right, in 2010, yeah. But they were kind of boring, right? And the, that World Cup itself was kind of boring. But do you think that there's enough in this German team playing like this to beat some of the bigger teams? I know they already lost to a smaller team, but I... Don't know how far they'll go. Some of those things that I saw today worried me. So the similarities I think with the Spain team end when it comes to perhaps um, playing uh, a lot of midfielders and not perhaps uh, for playing a lot of strikers down the middle uh, like we saw in the 2012 uh, Spain Euro team. Um, I I don't think uh, they are anyway anywhere close to as boring as the Spain team was so I was I was finding it hard to watch Spain during that World Cup their pace was a little too slow and they tried to kill you they, they killed teams with their with their uh, control of the ball of course but they were not exciting to watch for a spectator I found Germany quite exciting to watch actually today uh, Musiala was great as we expected him to be um, I think they had uh, a quite a few chances created. Like their XG is at 3.5 which is I think I mean not taking into account what Spain just did but I think that was second only to France uh, prior to the Spain game so uh, they're creating a lot of chances we already did discuss that uh, they don't have any top strikers and they're likely to um, uh, fall into the trap of missing a lot of chances and there seems to be a trend in this World Cup that if you miss a few chances then you can take it for granted that they're going to hit you uh, where it hurts and you're going to end up losing the game as we've seen for both Argentina and Germany. I do think they can hurt teams and st- starting from Spain, I mean all these problems we're talking about for Germany, I think Spain have may have them as well on an off day. So yeah, they can, uh, considering how well they played, they can throw in. I think defensively I was surprised to see how poor they were. So that might be the um, that, that might be a problem they face. Japan cut through them quite easily. They had an offside goal as well that they scored early on. Uh, so yeah, there's some uh, gaps in the defense. I think that's my only problem uh, with them. I, I don't find them similar to Spain in, in terms of their style of play. The 2010 Spain World Cup obviously had, like I, like I keep saying, this had much more technical players compared to the Germany of today. Like it, it had Xavi Hernandez... Uh, Xabi Alonso, uh, Cesc Fabregas, Busquets. So, like, I agree with Radha that they are they had much better midfielders, and they're not even like they don't even come into any form of comparison uh, when you compare this 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 crop of German players versus that that set of Spanish players that won the that won the World Cup. I, I definitely agree that they are not the prettiest team to watch. But they had something about them, and you you would expect them to go into games and like dominate the other team. I feel that Germany would not be able to do that with some of the other heavyweights that are that are there in this in, in this edition of the World Cup. A word on Japan. I think I loved how direct they were. Um, you know, when we look at Germany and we think that um, their uh, type of football. While some people could look at it as boring and I 
sort of partly agree with that point of view but uh, the the real antithesis to that is uh, uh, japan who was so direct if you look at the second goal especially it was just a straight over the top ball the i think it was asano takes a great touch brings it down and then shoots with his next touch so it was like as simple as uh, one two and goal um, and for me you know that kind of football is i find that more exciting not direct over the top balls necessarily but direct football in general so i kind of loved uh, I, i love the way japan just played very direct came back into it and just went for it and won moving on um, i mean we've talked about some of the upsets but uh, we also had uh, results on the other extreme way today we've had spain beat uh, costa rica 7-0 1043 completed passes and this is just the second occasion in world cup history where uh, a team has had no shots at all so we we're not having a quiz this episode but uh, mini quiz for you who was the other team and when as at the saudi arabia germany game that i was talking about <laughs> yeah that's what i thought someone would say but interestingly enough it is costa rica again against uh, i think the us in 1990 so they have a history of doing this just like southampton have a history of losing 9-0 so yeah but uh, spain looked good uh, today they were completely in control uh, no uh, worries from the opposition probably expected costa rica to do a bit better but selavi it was a men versus boys game i think like somebody pointed out earlier when we were chatting offline um zero xg created by costa rica i'd be interested to see if that has happened ever before um i think i called out spain as a team that would struggle perhaps with not finishing off chances i think uh, spain took that a little personally uh, 3.79 xg with seven goals uh, I, that's and some of the goals were just outrageous i think especially i think it was the fourth or the fifth it's hard to keep track when there are so many uh, it was a first time finish with the outside of the right foot volley at the edge of the box which went in off the post um, I, i think the first goal was my favorite i think uh, um it a great turn a touch and turn and held off the defender and chipped the keeper i think that was one of the best goals i did feel like it was a little bit of uh, everything was falling into place too easily for them and i i don't think it will happen every time uh, i think spain versus germany will be an interesting one to see who is more um efficient or inefficient than the other and i there may be an ups- like germany may be able to pull something off there you know this reminded me of me beating radha on uh, fifa you don't never have to get out of second gear uh, that's how it was so um, spain like this was as breezy an opening world cup game as you can get uh, spain didn't even have to like get the car to third gear they just like super easy um, i'll admit i didn't see the full match i think i saw like 55 or 50, between 55 and 60 minutes and it was super duper easy for spain so i think bigger tests to come obviously the the confidence will be sky high which is good but i think uh, like if you want to judge spain i think we need to 
wait till they face germany yeah i think just like in fifa as well you seem to be uh, not watching the entire game up because i have no idea what you're talking about you didn't watch this one and you clearly didn't watch a lot of the games where i was thrashing you uh, but fair enough i mean i just have to remind you perhaps it's been a while <laughs> love the banter um i think um i, I feel i obviously feel really bad for costa rica because <clears throat> like you mentioned swag 1050 odd passes uh, i think possession was around 70% as well it's just crazy but i want to give a shout out to <clears throat> gavi as well um gavi um, and pedri have been build, forging quite a bit of partnership even even at club level so that that's that's really good to see that um it's working out really well um for uh, for the national team as well and sergio busquets as you know he's like an anchor he's been there since god knows when like he he he, he is the one who's like able to orchestrate and just you know bring the players out of position into position you can see him instructing like a conductor almost in the field uh, it's a, i mean i mean i'm i'm super impressed but also equally the fact that costa rica did not do much just goes to show how one sided this game was and this was like more of a training game for spain rather than anything else so i'm, I'm looking forward to seeing a resurgent, resurgent germany play spain and, and you know that would be would be the real test that spain will uh, have um, going forward yeah and uh, another team that i think for a moment uh, i mean we were not concerned obviously but uh, we were interestingly watching was when australia took the lead against france and all of a sudden having seen argentina lose to saudi arabia we were like oh is it happening again but yeah they came back and as we've mentioned earlier as well radhaji's favorite number 2 mr olivier giroud tying thierry henry to become the leading goal scorer for france for all time realistically i don't think he'll keep it for uh, too long considering the pace at which kylian mbappe is scoring goals credit to giroud he's had a long career he's been thought down off uh, for a long period of time wherever he's been but uh, yeah kudos to him and france looked good didn't seem like they were missing too many people but yeah tougher tests to come yeah let me take this moment to re uh, assess my golden boot shout i had given uh, benzema my shout considering uh, i thought he would be playing in that position not giroud and i was ex- fully expecting giroud to cross onri during this world cup and actually score a few goals when he came off the bench but the fact that he's starting now i'm going to i still think neymar would can be up there but i'm going to put in giroud as an outside uh, chance of getting the golden boot i i think France were outstanding. Uh, I, they did have two chances that they conceded early on, which was a bit weird. Uh, but they really stormed back into the game after that, and they I think they created uh, XG of four, which is just outrageous for most games. Um, but Giroud was was part of everything. I think uh, he got he got Benzema. Sorry, he got Mbappe into the game uh, so much, and Mbappe clearly loves to uh, have Giroud take the take some defenders away from him, and he and he enjoyed it a lot. Uh, he created a few chances for himself as well. Um, so I'm I'm expecting Giroud to step on from here. Uh, just a quick shout out though to uh, um, 
Adrian Rabiot, the much maligned Adrian Rabiot. I think uh, a lot of the United fans in our group have had me thinking that this guy can't play football and is forgotten. He's in the wrong sport and things like that. But he was. I thought he was really good um, uh, for France. I th- he uh, scored a great goal. He had a pressing situation, won the ball and uh, put uh, put the ball on the plate for Giroud to finish off. Uh, a couple of really good important uh, contributions from him and maybe. Maybe I should start paying more attention to him. He seems like a decent player. See, this is what the World Cup does to you, right? Like, you you, you see players having one good game against weak opposition and then you think that they are really good players. So, uh, But, yeah, I, I do agree. Rabiot had a, had a good game. Um, I'll start from the very top. I think, um, the, I think Benjamin Pavard was responsible for for the goal that France conceded. He wasn't marking the player. He just let him loose. And it was a shock. It was a shock uh, lead that Australia had taken. Australia don't don't have a really good team. So I don't expect them to go outside this group anyways. Um, we don't have the players that... They don't have the players that they used to have. Like, you don't have the Tim, Kuehl, uh, Tim Cahill or Harry Kuehls of the world anymore uh, playing for them. But then... Once France settled in, uh, you could see that they were in there to win it. Um, Rabiot got the first goal, I think a really good header, especially for a central midfielder. And then Jeru, like Radha mentioned, he complements so well with anyone he plays with, right? So he, like, I think he gave Mbappe the the freedom to run as well because he was taking away a lot of the defenders um, who would have... You know, in some some respect, uh, would have been deputized to uh, to 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 mark Mbappe. So I think he did that job really well. So uh, again, if you look at the uh, the the stats from the game, 23, 23 shots for France, which again seems to be really one sided against uh, against Australia, who who got only four shots in total. So I think a good start for France and. Uh, they they are not looking like the opposition who we feared would be struggling with all the injuries that they have. Yeah, and uh, eagle-eyed listeners, I don't know what's owl-eared listeners, will remember, uh, as Radhaji said, uh, his shout for uh, Golden Boot was Benzema. Mine was Lautaro. Anyone else who needs to be jinxed, I mean, we, we are uh, accepting payments via cash and crypto if you want uh, your rival striker to be jinxed out of the World Cup. I mean, we are happy to take a commission. But uh, yeah, funny how the, how the game goes. Uh, we saw Benzema go out and we're like, ah, this is a big, big blow and four XG and four goals scored. Finally, among the big winners, uh, England is it going home, boys? I have, again, one of those teams that I uh, came out and said I do not expect and I won't enjoy watching. I was actually glad, number one, glad to see the formation change. Um, I think uh, that was the first step uh, of putting three midfielders in, uh, in the game and Mount being one of them. A good transition from midfield to attack. Um, so that was one good step and so delighted to see Jude Bellingham start. Uh, although I did expect it, I was uh, in the back of my mind. I was uh, wondering whether uh, Southgate would do a Southgate and 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 screw things up there. Uh, Bellingham was just out of this world. He was he he was dribbling past midfield and into attack so easily. His physicality is like something else. Uh, he's like a beast. Um, and 
England were quite open and aggressive. I have to make the point that their opposition didn't do any kind of pressing. I think Carlos Queiroz uh, really messed it up. As happy as I was with Iran pre-match, what they what they did prior to the game starting, I think they were really poor when, once the game started. So I think that may have given England the confidence that they can put step on the accelerator and go forward. But they were good. Yeah, interesting that you bring up Bellingham. He kind of reminded me of the Pogba from Juventus, you know, breezing past players and like really detect- dictating the play. Uh, sadly, we did not as a, did not get to see that um, Pogba in in United. Um, I think England England um, played really well, and uh, credit goes to Southgate. Credit where credit is due because he obviously made the changes to the formation as well. I wasn't really expecting that because he's so married to um, his uh, his uh, favorite uh, formation. I, I also feel Luke Shaw had a really good game, like the only recognized left back. I know the ultimate look conceded two goals, but he was bringing in a lot of energy, which um, which caught which caught France off guard. Uh, uh, one one point I wanted to make uh, on the Iran team, the the player who scored the two goals, uh, Mehdi Taremi, he was asked about he was asked about his predictions for this game, and he 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 predicted Iran to win two games and draw one, and he said that they will draw against England. Like obviously that did not happen, but at least he, um, you know, he got his two goals. So that 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 was you know him. Um, yeah, salvaging something out of it at least. I'm quite disappointed by England. Uh, for all the chat from England about how um, they're going to be uh, one of the teams that are going to stand up for the rights of uh, the LGBTQ community and, and generally not just that community but against any kind of harassment and discrimination. Talking about the One Love uh, captain's armband Everything was supposed to go a certain way right at, up till this point. They've done this in every tournament where they've been the forebearer of uh, against racism, against a lot of things. They've been one of the primary voices against it. And at the last minute, when uh, when FIFA threatens to give somebody a yellow card, they pull out. I found that really disappointing. Uh, I think putting FIFA on the spot like that, getting somebody like Harry Kane... Uh, a yellow card in a big occasion like that at the start of this uh, of this tournament would have been the perfect kind of message to send i think that's a huge opportunity lost if i was england i would make a different captain for every game send them out with the uh, one love uh, armband and get six, three or four different yellow cards I, I i i see that i see this as a huge opportunity missed not just by england but at least germany seems to have done something but france wales all of these teams were talking the talk uh, a while ago and they all just it's a yellow card that we're talking about. So we're talking about preserving human rights, women's rights, LGBTQ rights, and suddenly a yellow card is a step too far. I found that quite disappointing. And for all the moral superiority that some of these teams spew, this was just downright weak on all of their parts. I think it'll be interesting to see how this story develops. Uh, I think I shared on the group as well that uh, the Wales Football Association also talked to FIFA about um, how... The rainbow flag was confiscated from uh, people in terms of uh, hats and someone wearing a rainbow t-shirt was not allowed to enter. And FIFA is talking to Qatar about this. But, I mean, honestly, are we expecting FIFA to do much about this, particularly when the World Cup is already happening? They can't say that, sorry, 
nothing doing if you won't allow this uh, we were taking a ball and going home quite literally i mean the world cup's going to be held somewhere else now group c you're going to go to wales or something like that so th- their hands are tight i mean when they said uh, no budweiser allowed they couldn't do anything now they've said no rainbow flags allowed i don't think they're going to be able to do anything apart from probably send out a message saying sorry but yeah yeah you can stay without a rainbow flag for 3 hours you won't die so it'll be interesting to see what other means of protests these teams take alex scott i think uh, made a point by uh, wearing the one love armband when she was commentating on the sidelines and she 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 was prominently displaying it i mean she obviously doesn't fear a yellow card uh, obviously so so maybe you could have folks like these take on the protesting aspect more uh, clearly you would hope that someone like a gary neville who spouts so much about stuff like this i mean he can take a stand right he's there he, he, what's stopping him from uh, wearing the one love armband how can you criticize fifa at a time like this man you know today infantino feels arab today he feels qatari he feels gay and he feels a bunch of other things <laughs> Yeah. So I mean, expecting you... that organization to take a moral stand. I mean, that's just like expecting you know, water to not be wet. I guess it's just. Uh... You just reminded me of that. That actually should have been my moment of the week. Oh my! That was just some top top notch television right there from Infantino. I, he feels a lot of things. I feel like throwing up. It was disgusting. I mean, it was yesterday that he was feeling LGBTQ. Today, he most definitely isn't. But. Uh, moving back to the pitch i guess uh, i think apart from a couple of ga- i mean we've only had half of the groups so far but uh, um, moving on i think we'll have belgium versus uh, canada today evening tonight wherever you are uh, and listener by the time this is out uh, so the result would already have uh, been declared so you'll either probably call us uh, idiots in hindsight or pull um, uh, the octopuses in hindsight i don't know but uh, what are we thinking is there another upset on the cards i'm looking forward to this i don't uh, think there's going to be an upset uh, i think belgium should win but uh, after seeing uh, what usa did against wales i i didn't expect much from usa uh, i'm i think that clearly told me that i'm underestimating that entire side of the draw um all the north american teams that came from there i think canada did really well in their qualifying so i'm looking forward to watching them i think usa came with a lot of energy and lot of uh, better tactical awareness than i expected so i and canada have a few players with a lot of athleticism who can call and who can cause an old team problems of course uh, um, davies being the the primary one uh, and we already talked about some of the center backs and defenders that belgium have which are on their last legs so yeah i do see some potential for surprise but overall i do expect uh, kevin de bruyne and co to get over the line i'm just looking at the um, starting lineup and michi batshuayi starting for, <laughs> for for belgium so um, i mean that seems like a blast from the past uh, I I don't have much of a comment on this this game aside from the fact that um I was I was listening or I was sorry reading to a, uh reading a few articles on the internet and uh, it it seems that the the like there's a lot of sense of excitement in Canada because of course they're not a team that 
would would have usually qualified for the world cup and um, it's it's great to see like uh, two north american teams uh, you know at the world cup and uh, basically bringing in loads of fans uh, to a sport that they don't necessarily follow um so i'm while i'm expecting a belgium win uh, it will be good to see you know what uh, canada has to offer if they can do something similar to what the us did with wales i would be i would be really pleased i mean just as an aside uh, portugal are playing tomorrow and we have a united fan here today so ronaldo is finally out of the manchester united club so this is not manchester united anymore for him but uh, what are your thoughts on that and also interestingly suddenly glazers out has come true yeah if i think it <clears throat> almost feels like um you know a, a united fans got access to a, a, a genie bottle right like, like we have we we've got two of our three wishes uh like i mean thank you for all the memories cristiano is what i posted in that talky talk talk instagram handle today as well legend of the club definitely but he went too far when he you know uh, put the manager and under the bus blamed uh you know former players the club the everyone but the fans basically right like i think he had had enough he he ran out of patience and it was time for him to go probably the time for him to go was the summer itself and it is unfortunate the way it has ended but i'm glad that it has ended because it he was creating a toxic atmosphere but the one thing that i'm really excited about is potentially glazers selling um their entire stake or part of the stake at the club i feel the chelsea sale basically sparked this um amongst the you know the american owners we 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 heard the news about the uh, about fsg selling liverpool as well and i think the glazers also feel that this is the best time to sell a club like manchester united if chelsea went for 3 billion dollars like united with the claim 1.1 billion fans <laughs> uh that glazers mentioned would potentially go for something like 6 billion so they really want to cash in on that um i'm just hoping that it's not a leveraged buyout again uh, we have been protesting against this leveraged buyout for the past 17 years hopefully we see uh, the back of the glazers family they have been nothing but frustrating and annoying and they have reaped millions out of the club so i'm really happy with that with that news so the chelsea sale may have put a dollar value on the on on uh, put a number against it but i think what really kicked this off is the the failure and the cancellation of um the super league I, i i mean the glazers and fsg and uh, basically henry uh, john henry were were a, a large part of that plan they had senior positions in the proposed league as well and a lot of people know that the americans were a, a driving force of that league along with of course perez um but uh, i think that's the one that's uh, now seeing united also put them up for sale they could have they could have seen this kind of value any time in the last 5 or 6 years so i think uh, seeing united and liverpool together and particularly with the american world cup coming up 4 years from now uh, seeing the americans divest from this it it to me points that the esl 
uh, was their big bet and they've realized now that that's never going to happen and then this investment seems like it makes less sense for them to spend more time on and of course uh, they it's at its highest valuation ever and uh, the dollar is uh, the strongest that it's been in in this in in comparison to the pound uh, and Chelsea has put a dollar value in what a club is is actually worth these days. So all of that put together, I think, has caused this. But both of them doing it together makes me think it has to do with the ESL. Yeah, and uh, we might end up with uh, a majority of American owners in the Premier League. You never know. And then that 39th game will definitely be a reality, right? And you would have it on an annual basis in, in Las Vegas and, and then in New York, etc., etc., with all those big-ass stadiums. So that'll be an interesting thing to look forward to. But uh, coming back to the World Cup, um, what are the games that you guys are looking forward to in the next uh, three to four days? We'll probably record again on Sunday. So till then, we have such blockbusters like Spain versus Germany, England versus USA with all the intrigue that it has. You can see uh, from my t-shirt, well, listeners take my word for it, but you can see from my t-shirt that I'm looking forward to a Brazil Brazil game. I've been looking forward to this game for the entire, from the start of the tournament. The tournament has been great, honestly. Uh, That's, that's, I think, a point we missed uh, talking about, the footballing quality. And I think, Ashwin, you had mentioned this on the group. Uh, the footballing quality has been of a supremely high standard compared to other international tournaments that I've watched. And maybe it's because of the fact that it's happening mid-season and not post-season and people are right now in the prime of their season in terms of conditioning and uh, fitness and sharpness. So I think uh, from one side, if I take my club hat off, uh, we should probably do this more often for international tournaments, uh, have the players in the best possible physical shape and uh, so football is like really good to watch. Um, in that sense, I'm looking forward to Brazil even more now because I think uh, they are capable of uh, getting us off their seats. Uh, but also having seen what happened to Argentina and Germany, and considering all the stuff that Serbia have going for them, I'm, there there is a potential banana skin here. So I'm going to be watching this one closely. I've um, uh, little little nervous, but pretty confident that Brazil will get the job done. Yeah, I'm going to probably, you know, given what's happened today, uh, I think Spain Germany is the game that I'm going to keep my eye on. Uh, it's Spain riding on a seven nil wave versus Germany riding a defeat uh, or a crest from a defeat so uh, it'll be interesting and teams do kind of play similar football also they like to take their time to build up the build up outside the box try and find uh, one of the midfield runners so I think that's that's a, that'll be a pretty interesting game it'll be a clash of uh, it'll be a clash of tactics I feel yeah for me um, it's uh, it's going to be Portugal um uh, Ghana, uh, as many of our listeners know, I am going to the World Cup to support Portugal. Probably not Cristiano Ronaldo, but like like the <laughs> like the team at least. Um, so it 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 is it is what we what we called as a group of death. So I think it will be uh, it will be a great opening game, and it is really important for Portugal to get the maximum points out of this because I feel the Uruguay game would be pretty tough. But also a quick. Uh, another shout out to the uh, to the second game for England. I I realize watching England that I do after all have a soft a soft spot for them. Like I don't know why. I feel I I think 
England would, if not Portugal, I think England would be the the team I would want to win. Um, the England USA game, interestingly enough, is on is on Black Friday, so it's the day after Thanksgiving. So it's it's like almost like it, it is definitely holiday period in in the US, and it's it's also like the festive period in in the UK. So I think uh, we'll probably have lot of viewers uh, tuning up. For this particular game so that's the other game that i'm looking forward to breaking news ladies and gentlemen there's a person living in dublin who's just declared a soft spot for england make of that what you will uh, for me i think another game to look out for is france versus denmark uh, france made a good start against uh, australia denmark was supposed to be their tough opposition in this group however they failed to win against tunisia so it'll be interesting from both sides to see uh, what what ends up uh, as a result in that game but uh, yeah it is good to see christian eriksen back out there uh, wearing his nation's jersey so some of those bad memories being erased away but uh, we'll keep an eye out on all these games and the other ones where we might have surprises where we haven't expected any and we'll bring you the analysis from them as well and soon we shall have a man on the ground and posting regularly on instagram and tiktok and snapchat whatever format do you want only fans whatever you want he'll be there so keep an eye out on our social media channels and for the evening i wish you a fond farewell and see you soon bye